Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. Being here this morning, I'm, uh, you know, I'm taking the place of Inez. Uh, you probably re- recognize I'm not Inez. <laughs> My name is Jack West. I'm the one of the pastors here on staff, pastor of Care and Recovery. And uh, in, in when Inez invited me to come, I was just, I was absolutely overjoyed to be able to be here with you again. And not only that, but to be walking with you in this series that we're in, the series of John. We're calling it Jesus in His Own Words. Because John gives us seven I am statements that Jesus gave over his ministry. Jesus says, I am and eat the way, the bread of life, living water. And this morning we're going to be looking at his words, I am the good shepherd. A couple reasons why, uh, in addition to that, that I love, I mean, of course, we want to know Jesus in his own words. As we approach Jesus, as we walk with him, as we make a decision to follow him every day of our lives, we need to know who is it that he says he is. This is core to our understanding of, of how to walk, how to respond, uh, and how to live, right? Well, John actually happens to be my favorite book of the Bible. I mean, if you were asked me that cheesy Christian icebreaker, well, if you could have one book of the Bible on a desert island, which one would you take? Well, I, would, I always answer John. Um, and I came to that love kind of impishly, actually. Uh, I grew up in church, uh, not always stayed in church, but, you know, grew up in it. And, and one of the... One of the uh, Assignments for Sunday school. I went to a Baptist church. I grew up in a Baptist church. Go learn, uh, memorize a verse of the Bible. So I would always memorize Jesus wept, which comes to us <laughs> in the book of John. Uh, and, you know, I, I wanted to be able to complete the assignment. Um, of course, at that, at that point in my life, it was as little effort as possible. But as I began to sit with that verse and those words over the course of my my maturing a little bit uh, since then, it, it, it really punches out just the, 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 the short, sublime way that John articulates in Jesus wept because Jesus, those words come to us right before Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> it's that story of Lazarus where he, he, Jesus in all his humanity comes into contact with his friends and, and weeps with them, mourns with them, just as he's about to bring about his resurrection power. And so it's, it's, it's giving us one of John's core, um, core uh, things that he's holding for us, up for us to see is the, the utter humanity of Jesus and his, and his absolute divinity and his absolute power and how those things come together. And of course, they come together in every image that he presents us. And so to mo- this morning, um, I don't know that this is going to be uh, new for you and, and this is not meant to be new, but, but my hope is that we will hold up this image that Jesus offers us in the Good Shepherd, kind of like a Rembrandt. Like if we were to sit in front of one of Rembrandt's paintings and perhaps uh, just be with it, uh, we could stare at it, we could just observe it, we could come uh, for hours and then come back and then come to it again and, and gather something new. That's what these images, these I am statements are, are meant to give us. And that's the beauty of John's book to us. It's his gift it's not just information. And one of the things I do when I prepare a message is I kind of sit with a song um, or, a, or a poem or some, something that helps me kind of get into a creative space. And, and the, 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 the one that I sat with this time, I'm going to share it with you, is actually a, a really short poem by one of my favorite, um, favorite poets, modern poet. His name is David White. 
He says this, this is not the age of information. Second line, this is not the age of information. This is not the age. Forget the blurred screen, the TV, the, uh, the Instagram. This is the time of loaves and fishes. And one word is food for a thousand. Do you believe that? I do. So I think in this age that we live in, this age of information, this, where we are bombarded, deluged with information, with data, with facts, with, with a kind of knowledge, we are devoid of those images, those, those, those depth-bearing images that nourish us, that give us words for life. A lot of words in our world, a lot of information but not a lot of life in those words. Does that make sense to you guys this morning? And I think that's the, the gift on offer here from John is this image that nourish us because information will not save us. It will not give us life. It will not lead us into life now or everlasting. And that is exactly what Jesus intends with this I am statement. In the Greek, it's the ego emi. I, I am the good shepherd. And this ego in me, this, this phraseology would have resonated in the original hearers um, as, as, as I am, which is, which is re- echoing the, the Yahweh uh, of, of the burning bush as, as Moses is standing in Exodus and, G- and God names himself Yahweh. It is translated, I am who I am. And here we have Jesus making these I am statements. In fact, at the very end of John, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas betrays him, they come and they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And and in John's gospel, Jesus says, I am. And they fall back. (laughs) It's this, the power in this statement would have rung in his hearer's ears. And so Jesus is, is stamping out. He's really putting himself up there and saying, I am the good shepherd. And he's, he's adding good to shepherd. And shepherd was a common image to the to people of God, and actually a common image they associated with Messiah. And that, that messianic image was certainly held in David as the shepherd of Israel. And so Jesus here is not only saying this, I am with this force of Yahweh, but he's also saying, I am the good shepherd, which means there's something better about my shepherding than the good shepherd or the shepherd that you know as Messiah, which is perhaps in the image of David. He's putting himself above David, above Moses. <laughs> So he's coming at them in this statement with something forceful, with something with an image that is larger than what they perhaps would be expecting. And so as we come to it, I hope that that's our posture is that we don't lose that sense of awe and wonder as the God of the universe steps down into our skin and and gives these words to us. I am the good shepherd. That means the image he presents in those words is real It's to be lived into. It gives us a sense of how we're to relate to him and how he relates to us. And John wants us to believe into it. He wants us to live into the good shepherd. And the first way to do that is to recognize that what makes Jesus good, what he says himself, that this is what makes me good, is that he lays his life down for his sheep. He lays his life down for sheep. Now, if if you look at this this group of, of, if you were listening, of course, I know you all were. To, as Gloria read, the scriptures, seven verses. And so if you were to just maybe, in an image in your mind, graphically take seven lines, seven lines, and then between each one put, lay my life down, lay it down, is that there's this five times in seven verses, Jesus says, lay my life down. 
So he's weaving into this tapestry, um, this picture of these offerings, that what qualifies him as the good shepherd over all the other shepherd is that he lays his life down for his sheep. And, and that is Jesus calling attention to his cross, to his saving work that he atoned for our sins. Now, this is the second Sunday of Easter. And actually, this is in the liturgical calendar, Good Shepherd Sunday. Did you know that? It's okay if you didn't. I went to seminary, paid a bunch of money, and I didn't learn that until like a few weeks ago. (laughs) Didn't do a lot of liturgical calendar studying, apparently, in seminary. But that's it. That's as we follow the liturgical calendar, Easter is the beginning of the year. It's the beginning of our Christian year so we understand that the resurrection brings us into a new new season with God. And that the, the second Sunday of Easter is Good Shepherd Sunday because we need to know who we're following And Jesus said, who you're following is a shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep, who does what and solves the problem of death and the wolf, as it says in the text, that you could not solve yourself, that I lay my life down for you. I atone for the sin of the world because this world, as we look outside, is broken. But it was not always so. And it bears worth reminding ourselves that it was not always so. And that as sin entered the world, as, as God gave the gift of creation to man, and man, Adam and Eve decided they wanted to acquire the gift for themselves. If they, if they moved out of God's will, sin entered the world. And we, all we need to do is look outside and recognize that our world's broken. But ever since that moment, God has been on a rescue mission. And he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross. He sent the good shepherd to lead us into everlasting eternity by dying on a cross and then being raised again on the third day so that we celebrate a good shepherd who is alive, who leads us constantly. That is what makes him the good shepherd, is that he atones for the sin of the world, my sin and your sin, and therefore he is good and he, he, has, he has every qualification to be followed into eternity. Now, here's the radical thing, is that um, the wolf comes. Now, if you, if you back up, we didn't read it, but if you look at John uh, 10, 10, which some of you are familiar with, is, as Jesus said, the wolf has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then he says again in this, in the, in, in this, in this passage that we're looking at, is that the wolf comes, and because the hired hand does not own the sheep, he runs away. But the wolf comes. And so the next qualifier is that the the shepherd doesn't, the good shepherd doesn't just create a transaction of rescue, but he creates a relationship that we we can follow him and trust him because he does not leave. He is everlastingly faithful to us and faithful to his flock. And so we can trust in his leading. We can trust in his sacrifice, but we can trust in his leading us to that eternal life that he sets before us. One of my um, great privileges, and actually one of the things I love most about my job as a pastor here, but specifically as a care and recovery pastor, memorials uh, in, in, in end of life, um, celebration of life ceremonies fall underneath kind of my purview of ministry. And so I have the honor of my team and some volunteers have the honor of walking people across that, and I'll call it a threshold. Um, and it's always, it's always, um, it always, um, I think in one sense undoes me, like kind of unravels me, but also stamps out this, this incredible um, desire to see people follow the Good Shepherd because not everyone comes into that season of life 
following the good shepherd. Now, I don't make any judgments. I never do about when someone comes and says, you know, look, pastor, we don't, we don't really believe, but we, we really love this space. And, and, and since this space is open to your entire community, which it is, um, we would like for you to lead us in a Christian ceremony, but I don't, our loved one didn't believe. And so and there's various reasons for that. And, and my heart obviously breaks. And, and, and I also understand that there is a, there's a radical difference between those who claim the good shepherd uh, for their eternal salvation and those who don't. Radical difference in how they walk through that season. And so it's sometimes tricky uh, to walk with them and still bear witness to the gospel not even still, and yet bear witness to the gospel. Um, but it's an honor because there is an opportunity with every death in life, every death that we experience to pass into life in this gospel story. Because death, we are in a death to life story. And we have a shepherd who leads us through and across that threshold if we put our faith and our trust in him. And he will do it. And I see him do it on a weekly basis. There's this beautiful symmetry of Psalms 23, which we, if maybe that's already in the back of your mind as, as you began to, began to sort of sit with the good shepherd. And I believe it was in the back of John's mind as he put these words down for the first time. But the beauty of Psalm 23 is there's this symmetry between death and life that, that, that in the middle of Psalm 23, so there's, there's, a, man, I, I think it's eight verses and there's two or six verses and then there's two in the middle. So there's four, there's, Two, two, and two. Is that right? Did I get that math right? Could be eight. Point is, there's a threshold of death in the middle of Psalm 23. There's a valley of a shadow of death. There's a, there's a setting a table in the presence of mine enemies, and it's bookended by blessing. And, and that's how life is. That's, that's, that's the good shepherd leads us in that kind of life. Uh, not a life that sort of hops from blessing to blessing, but a, because I, I don't think, it, it, again, care pastor uh, moment here, if I could. Uh, if you came to this uh, place this morning um, desiring this life that moves from, from high to high, blessing to blessing, you don't need a shepherd. You need a helicopter. <laughs> because the shepherd leads with our feet on the ground. He meets us where we are and he leads us from blessing through death back into blessing. That's how it works. That's how Psalm 23 works. That is what the good shepherd does. He never leaves us. And the inevitability that we will walk through not just the final death that leads us into everlasting life, but all the deaths, all the disappearances, all the ways in which things must end to bring something new. Because in this, in this life, when we follow the good shepherd, we do not live a life-to-death story. We live a death-to-life story. Amen? His leading and his everlasting, everlasting protection and his everlasting faithfulness leads us from death to life. Death frames life, and we pass through to find more life. Second thing that this story really hits on as Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me. He says that uh, in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. There's this knowing that both the shepherd has of his sheep and the sheep have of their shepherd. And if you, we, we got to have to put those words in context because this, this passage actually comes uh, at the end of, of a larger um, discourse on what it means to to see, to come into, to vision, to step into, to believe into 
Jesus as the Messiah, as the Son of God. And it comes to the story of Jesus healing a blind man, um, and it begins a healing. He heals him on the Sabbath, and blind man calls out uh, to Jesus, and 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 they, you know, there's some question about okay, why is this guy blind? And, and Jesus talks about you know why he's blind. It's to reveal the kingdom of God, and he puts some spittle and stuff on his eyes, and and he says, now go wash in a pool, which is, would be in, in the temple or in that Jerusalem. And so the, the man has to, has to first um, recognize that the one who has uh, addressed him and, and asked him uh, to do something is the one who has the power to heal him. And then he has to, to recognize that and then step into that, to, to believe into that by moving toward the pool to wash his eyes. And of course, it happens and the blind man is healed. And there's this really kind of funny dialogue. If you go back and read this, it's John chapter 9 that leads us up to this verse because the, the, the Pharisees are coming after the blind man, trying to figure out, okay, what's your deal? Were you always blind? They're really questioning the miracle because they can't believe that this guy was actually blind and now can see. And so the, the text is revealing this, this, this ironic, the blind man actually sees because he responds to Jesus' voice, even though he's still blind. And the people who actually see, the leaders, the, the religious leaders, can't see. They are spiritually blind. And so as Jesus comes to I know my sheep and my sheep know me, he's looking at, he's talking to the blind man who knew him by responding to him, his voice. And he's also talking to the religious leaders who are indeed blind, who don't know him. And actually, if we dig deeper, he's calling them the hired hands. But that's another sermon for another day. (laughs) And it's a hot one for me as a shepherd. (laughs) But the reality is, is that, his sheep, the blind man, knew his voice, and, and, and he knew his voice, why, how? By responding to it, by obeying. Not simply by becoming, he didn't open his eyes until he washed in the pool. He had to go find the pool that Jesus spoke about and do what Jesus said. He had to know him through trust in what he said. One of um, my, the season of life that I'm in right now is I'm trying to teach my little children how to know me. <laughs> And know my voice in this way of where I, where I speak to them, I call them into obedience, I move them toward what I believe will be life for them, uh, and yet they don't always respond. <laughs> because this, this knowing is not about acquaintance. Of course they know me, they, knew, they know my face. It's about trust. And it's about me as a father and my wife as a, as, a, as a mother building trust with our children to as we delight in them, as we, as we love them, no matter what direction they move when we call them. <laughs> and as we begin to honor them and, 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 and bring them up as persons as unique with, with respect and boundaries, of course, appropriate to their age. <laughs> and then as we repair when, when trust is breached, when, when, when there isn't a response that's in accordance with what we would call obedience, that there's repair. Because this knowing our shepherd is not about acquaintance. It's about trust. And it's about building trust. It's about learning. And yes, I wander like my children wander. We wander. We wander, don't we? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're feeling some of that wandering this morning. And we all, every day, we have a choice. Will we wander or will we heed? Will we step into the voice? Will we believe into Jesus as the good shepherd? Will we trust him with today? Or will we wander? 
Now, my prayer, obviously, all this week is that we learn and we hone our voice, hone ourselves into the voice of Jesus. Because these images and these I am statements that John is giving us, that Jesus is, is, is giving us in his own words, are meant to be responded to. That's the beauty of John's gospel, is that this isn't a knowledge thing. This isn't some, you know, layered theological discourse. This is believe into this. Here's the image. Respond to it. <laughs> and what I love about this story as it develops from the blind man who's healed, who then comes to be known and, and, and listen to the master's voice and to be counted as a sheep and to move into ever is that's Jesus actually went and found him. The good shepherd comes after him. Because what, what happened is, is the, the blind man got kicked out of his community. He became exiled in his family and in his temple because there was a law in place at that point. If you listen to Jesus, you're out. And Jesus heard that. He had heard that he'd been exiled and he went looking for him. And he asked him this question. He says, do you want to know the Messiah? Do you want to know the Son of God? And the blind man said, yes. He said, yes. And Jesus says, I am he. And that's the same question that this image asks of us. That's our point of response. Do you want to know the Son of God? Do you want to know who it is who atones for your sin? who atones for the sin of the world, who invites you into this loving leading of building trust with him, tuning our ears and our hearts into what he says because he is trustworthy, because he will lead us not just through the, through the, the blessing, but through the valley and back into his loving presence. As the Psalm 23 ends, surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To hear that eternity, that's what Jesus is calling us into. And it comes through this response to his voice. So what is your response this morning? Is it, is it to respond um, in your wandering? Is it to respond out of the valley to remind yourself, yes, I am not alone in this dark place. I am not alone that the good shepherd is with me, his rod and his staff, they comfort me and he will lead me out. He led me in and he will lead me out. He does not leave his sheep. And perhaps there's a response for you this morning to maybe just write that, write that, what, what is that valley? Put a name to it. And maybe, and maybe this morning is your morning to respond to the good shepherd for the first time. To put your full life, to respond with your whole life, to believe into who he says he is that he is the good shepherd of your soul, and that shepherding will lead you beyond death to the finish line. Because it is the power of the resurrection that ratifies Jesus' office as the good shepherd. It says at the end of this passage that I lay my life down. No one takes it from me. I lay it down so that I may take it up. That is the power of the resurrection, which undergirds his calling to you as a shepherd, which, which appoints him as the shepherd of your soul that will lead you through that threshold, all the little ones up to that and the final one, which is death. He can be trusted with your entire life. And maybe that's your decision this morning. Maybe your response is, yes, I need to put my whole life in that shepherd's hand. And if that is, I want to invite you to do two things. The first thing I want you to invite you to do, because we do it every, every Sunday, we have the stations around here, is that I want to invite you to come to the communion table. 
It says in Revelations chapter 3, I think, verse 20, that Jesus says, I stand another book we believe written by the same John who, who just gives us a beautiful image of, I, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Any man, any woman who opens the door, I will come in. I will cross over the threshold and dine with them. And the imagery of dining is the imagery of communion, is the imagery of taking in Jesus, his death on the cross, his, his body broken for us and his blood shed for us to give us eternal life. It is to open our hearts afresh to the only thing that can save us. And that is his presence, his presence signified by the meal of forgiveness. So the first thing I want you to do is come down here and take the meal of forgiveness with everyone else that possibly will do the same. And then the second thing I want you to do, if today is your day, today is the first day that you believe into this, that Jesus is the good shepherd of your soul, that I want you to go back and, and pray with one of our prayer team. It will give you a, a, a first-time believer's Bible, and they will pray you as you walk across that threshold, as you, as you go from a death to life's story. It's so important. We have to highlight that. We have to put that decision out for you. If that's you this morning, please step into that. And for the rest of us, we're going to continue to use the stations as we always do, the prayer wall, which offers up prayer, um, the, the, the hope candles, which lights that expectancy, that flame of expectancy that exists because of the resurrection, because the good shepherd carries us into eternity. And then there's the, the confessions of the cross, things that we can leave there because his sacrifice is sufficient. And then there are, the boxes for giving, to express our gratitude, our gratitude for his leading, our gratitude for the abundance, the absolute abundance he showers upon us spiritually and even materially. And so would you come as you feel led this morning, um, would you engage with those stations as we continue to worship together? Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.